Podcast One and Forbes present Mentoring Moments with Denise Rastari, a show where women you may never meet will become your mentors. Join Denise in her New York City apartment and tap into her conversations with successful women who are dropping the V-bombs. That's right, they're getting vulnerable. Now, here's your host, Denise Rastari. Okay, so we have like a ton of energy in my apartment today. That's because we have like a real coach, a coach, like a woman who is one of the most successful players and coaches in women's hockey. I think we can call her a legend. In my own mind. In your own mind. Well, I think in a lot of people's (laughs) minds. Her name is Digit Murphy, and there are a hundred things at least I can tell you about her. But I'm going to give you the 60-second version. She had a 23-year career at Brown University, including being the head coach of Brown University women's ice hockey program. She was the head coach of the Boston Blades Women's Hockey League and the first coach to win two Clarkson Cup championship titles. She's coached Olympians. She's in the Cornell Hall of Fame. You think I'm getting a little intimidated here? I am. And she's an expert on Title IX. And even with all of that success... After 35 years of playing, coaching, developing, and training hockey, when Digit applied for Brown University's men's hockey to be the head coaching job, she didn't get the job. Surprise, surprise, right? But here's the best part. That didn't stop her. As a matter of fact, it fueled her, which is what we all have to remember, that we get turned down all the time, but you got to keep going. When that door closed, she truly opened another door. She didn't find it. She opened it. And it's called United Women's Sports. It's a new pro sports model for women. It's female owned and operated. And she has one big goal to establish women professional sports leagues for a variety of sports. She gives new meaning to the word badass. I know that's a word we use a lot, but I'm telling you, like there is, she's given new meaning to the word badass. You'll see. You don't have to believe me. You will see. So Digit, it's just, I'm so happy you're here. You came in from Rhode Island today. Yeah. And you know, you have that spirit that I love. You know, I'm so happy to be here, Denise. I mean, uh, yeah, you say I'm badass. For people out in the community that can't see me, I'm wearing a black leather jacket. I guess it's a signature badass color. It is. Um, But I don't know. You know, I've just done so much in my career. I'm all about women's advocacy. I I never really knew that I was a women's advocate as a coach. But I'll never forget when one of my ADs said to me, why do you always have to push another level? Why do you always have to be improving the reps? Why do you have to be doing that? I'm like... Doesn't every coach do that? Like, no, all they care about is their team and winning. And I've always had this passion to improve whatever I'm part of. So, you know, I guess uh, I'm kind of like a salmon swimming upstream every day of my life. And I enjoy the struggle. You know, and I I just want to I want to back up when I was coaching at Brown. I talked a lot about life lessons through sports and I always talk to my players about adversity training, you know, get on the line. You think this is tough when you have a baby, it's really going to be tough. And they were like, laugh at me, but I would just really talk about life and how sports apply to life. So when I left my job at Brown or I didn't have the coaching position, I had to hear my own words in my own head and pick myself up. No matter what happens, you dust yourself off you pivot, you figure out a new direction to go in. And that's what I've lived my life by. So, you know, I'm pumped to be here. I'm happy to to have people learn about my story because I think my story can resonate with a ton of women, not only in sports, but in life. I have six children. I've been married. I've been divorced. I'm in a same-sex relationship. We can go wherever we want right right now (laughs) with all this. So bring it on, Denise. Okay, I'm going to start, though. Of the, the not, I don't know where to start. <laughs> You're okay. like, what do I where do am I going to start? Ah, where am I going to so start? Going on. There's okay. a lot of energy. Go okay, ahead. I'm going to start with something that a friend told me a story years ago, and I think this relates to you. So it was basically she had said, if you took 10 people and you all wrote your problems on a piece of paper and you put them on a t- in the table, in the middle of the table, everyone would grab their own. And you said, pick a problem. We would all grab our own problem. Mm -hmm. And the reason for that in this situation was because our problems really aren't as bad as other people's. But I always thought there's a different meaning in that. Mm -hmm. I think we take our own problems sometimes Mm -hmm. because they're familiar. Yes. And we think if we keep trying harder, just try harder, just try harder, it'll change. Right. And I think that learning that is a really hard lesson in life. I think back to, you know, when you're in a bad relationship, you think Mm -hmm. I'll just try harder. I'll try harder. That usually doesn't work if you're with the wrong person. Right. Um, And I'm not saying to give up on things. I think we do have to try. When I 
was going through infertility treatment. Mm -hmm. Everyone said, try harder, try harder. Well, seven years later, I was trying harder and getting nowhere, right? (laughs) What's that? The definition of insanity. Right, exactly, right? So try harder becomes insanity. And it's looking at it and saying, I think I need to find a new problem. Mm -hmm. I need to find a new way to solve this problem. Yes. And I need to find a new problem. And when I was leaving USA Today, I said to someone, you know, I'm just tired of problems. And she said, no, you're not. You're a problem solver. Yes. You're tired of these problems. Right. You need go to get go some find new ones. ones. Exactly. I'm with you. So I want to talk about that because I think young women, I think all women, but especially young women are looking at, they're feeling stuck many times. Mm-hmm. They're shrinking themselves mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. They're, they're faced with problems and don't know how to get out of it. So yeah. I, I want to talk to you because I think you've probably solved just a few in your lifetime. Yeah. You know, and, and so many of these people, okay. When you say it's a problem right there, negative energy, right? It's not a problem. It's life. Life, it's about the journey. And I told my, okay, I used to tell my players this all the time, right? It's not about winning the championship, right? If you are on the right path to the championship, that's going to happen. But the championship and the successes happen every single day in the locker room. They happen in the first period, whether you're ahead or you're losing, you're winning, you're losing, you're still learning something. You're sitting here like, you know, giving the guy the high five because they had a good shift. That's a success. It doesn't have to come in the form of wins. So when you look at your life, you look at a problem, you look at winning and losing, it's not about that. It's about the journey. And I think a lot of women, especially young women, they're like, oh, you know, I got this job. I don't make enough money. I don't know how to ask my boss for a raise. You know what? Ask that's your answer. If they say no, then that's your value set that they have on you. Right. Right. You have that value set. You can take that and you, you don't look at it like it's a good or bad thing or a reflection on you. That's a reflection on them. This is information to move forward and get going in a different direction. I mean, that's what I think, you know, a lot of, a lot of women don't really understand. It's not a reflection on you. It's a circumstance gives you more information to pivot, do something else or wallow in your same problems. And how important do you think this is? Because, okay, so I think back to the quote from Alice in Wonderland or the scene in Alice in Wonderland, when Alice says to the cat, she's like, you know, how do I get to where I want to go? And the cat's like, well, where do you want to go? And she's like, well, I don't know. And he's like, well, then I can't help you get there. And she's Uh, like, well, I want to go somewhere. And he's like, well, keep on walking and eventually you'll get there. Exactly. Somewhere. So, but do you need a vision? Do you need a partial vision or do you just keep on walking? You know, for, for me, And I I was telling you this before, this is about following energy. You know, if you can be a part on your life's journey of positive energy, and for me, it was always change. You know, how do I change the status quo? You know, when I started at Brown in 1987 as an assistant coach, I saw a whole host of, I'm like a kid in a candy store. When I see these things happening, I saw, you know, old fat reps that couldn't skate. All right, how do we fix the reps? You know, how do we now go into march into that referee's room and talk to the head of officials? How do we make them better? How do we come up with a process? You know, things like that, that just would excite me, you know? So I I think that as you start on your journey, you go with the energy that makes you happy, you know, and, and you stay away from the negative energy. And if you do that on your path to life, the vision starts to become very uh, evident. So I don't know. I mean, I, I've always had a vision and it's always been about equality. And I, I, if I can tell, if I can, I'd like yes, to tell a story. Tell a story. So um, when I was very young, probably j- growing up, going to school, okay, this is how I knew that it was a difference between boys and girls in sport. Um, number one, I knew I was a girl when my mother took me school shopping and she took me to the dress department because back in the day, in 1964, 65, when I started to go to school, you had to wear a dress. I was like, like people now are like, are you kidding me? You had to wear a dress. I you remember had to wear a dress. I and remember. I cried. I cried. But I put pants on underneath my dress and I reluctantly went to school. I didn't even want to go to school. I went up. There were two sets of stairs. One was the boy's side and one was the girl's side. Got up to the top of the stairs. I look up and there's a whole host of kids in the schoolyard. There was a dividing fence, chain link fence down the middle of the schoolyard. And on the girl side, they were running around. They had the little dresses on. They were playing jacks, maybe playing tag, you know, maybe talking. And then I looked to the left and I saw the boy side. 
and they were rough and tumble tackling each other. They had balls, they had basketball and hoops, they had all this stuff. And I slowly just kept gravitating and walking to that side of the fence. And I looked at the fence and I yearned to have the ball. Why are there no balls on this side? Because girls didn't play with balls. And it made me angry. It made me know now that I'm a girl. And I think that was the, the pivotal moment in my life that I knew that gender existed, especially in sports. And ever since that day, I've always been an advocate. Ever since that day, I've always been an advocate for, for women's athletics. And it's just never stopped. And I, I have worked tirelessly on advocating for women. And I will continue to the day I die advocating for women. That's it in a nutshell. And when you went home, did you tell your mom? Did you tell a teacher at school? Did you keep this I, in? I didn't. I just kind of, I kind of accepted it. Um, I didn't know why because, you know, you're five years right, old. Right, exactly, right, right. But, I, you know, now looking back on it, yeah. But I, I will tell you that gender did not exist in my own world. I am the oldest child of my, in my whole family, oldest grandchild, oldest everything. And I remember when I was really young, I could hit a baseball, like easy hand eye two years old and I remember sitting under the grapevine because I'm from an Italian family we would uh, go outside and now my grandparents like you know had these like menial jobs right and they would be done by 4:30, and we'd have you know we'd go up on the weekends I remember this vividly when I was like two three years old we would go out at like five o'clock at night in the summer and I remember my grandfather pitching me balls wiffle balls you know because you had the little bat right and I would just crank it, right? And they'd be like, <laughs> I on the other hand would miss it all and the time. And everyone would be clapping. I'm like, oh, this is easy, right? I just vividly remember this, that this sport thing was awesome. But think about it. I'm a girl. If they had not let me put that bat in my hand in a ball because they didn't think a girl should be playing this stuff, I wouldn't be sitting in the chair today. So these are the kind of things that as I'm, you know, I'm 55 years, I'll be 55 in December. Wow, um, you look great. And, oh, thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. I know they can't see it yeah. out there. Okay, but, you, you know, can't see it, but you'll see pictures. We'll put them know, on Twitter. It, she looks great. But, you know, it, it's about, about life and it's about energy. But I always often think back on if my grandparents, if my parents had not allowed me to have that ball and that bat, I would not be sitting here today. I might have been a cop, though, or something like that. Right. So, so you never know. I think you would have been something. something. I don't something. know. So when you look at all of this and you're looking now, is it, and you, do you have another mentoring? I want to get this in. Oh, first. I have, have, okay, I let's do another zone. mentoring moment first. Do you have another, uh, something that's like in your coaching you know, career? Or you something know, not, that's, it really wasn't in my coaching career. I'll, uh, you know, I'll tell this mentoring moment. I tell it a lot because um, – I, you know, I went through a, a rough time in my life when my parents got divorced when I was like 15, 16, and I was heads down focused on academics and sports. And I was just getting recruited to go to college. And back in the day, uh, this is, this is 1979, 78, 78, 79. Right. And, um, there wasn't a lot of women's ice hockey players. Like they were unheard of. And I was lucky enough to be part of a girl's hockey organization. My, my friend's dad uh, started a team for her and I was one of her friends. And we literally would pack up and we go to Choate and we go to uh, Taft. Any like these prep schools had teams and there were no teams in women's hockey, but we were lucky to be in this element. So we started to play these teams and I started to get noticed because I was a really good hockey player. I just was good. I had that hand-eye thing. I could score goals. I was a good skater. And all these coaches started to call me. So the time I was going through a rough patch, my parents got divorced. My mom moved somewhere. My dad moved in with his girlfriend. I was like, I'm not moving. I don't want any part of it. I moved in with my friend. Okay. And my best friend's brother went to Yale. Okay. So foreshadow, foreshadow how I got to Cornell. So I was getting recruited by the top three schools at the time that had scholarships. It was UNH, Northeastern and Providence College. I had a full ride to all three of those schools. And I'm like, huh. I think I died and went to heaven. I'm going to one of these top schools. And all of a sudden, I get this, this call at my friend's house from the Cornell coach, right? So back then, they didn't have sticky notes, right? They had phones with rotary dials and the old cord. You know what I'm saying? So my friend's brother was back from Yale at the time, and he saw a note on the counter that said, digit, call Cornell coach Bill. Call the number. And he picks it up and he's like, what is this? I'm like, Cornell, I'm not going there. They're terrible because I didn't, my parents didn't go to college, no college, nothing. My father didn't even graduate from high school. Okay. And he's like, that's Ivy league. I'm like, big deal. They're terrible. I'm going to UNH number one. 
full ride. He's like, no, you're calling this guy back. And if that, if I had not listened to him in that mentoring moment, and you know, of course it was a guy, but whatever, it's a mentoring moment. And if I hadn't listened to him again, you know, the Ivy league maybe doesn't come. I mean, I'm sure something would happen, but it's who you listen to in life and what energy you choose to follow. And I had a very high regard for him. And, um, he ends up now like he's in New York and, you know, he's got a very successful career. He was, went on at Yale and he was a very successful hockey player, but you know, his name is Jimmy Murphy, ironically, but no relation, but you know, like those are mentoring moments where, you know, if I'm 16 years old and I'm not listening to him and I'm telling him to, you know, go pound sand, I'm not here today. So, you know, thanks Jim for listening. But what made you want, what made you say, I'm going to listen to him? You know, I think it's because he was pretty, he was very successful. You know, he was a top player in high school. Um, like I was from a different, uh, socioeconomic class, you know, so I think I really admired his opinion and what he had to say. And I, and when I did kind of go, Oh yeah, Ivy league education is important. It's not just about sports like that had to click in my mind. So, um, yeah, I think that's why I listened to him because I think the hockey head in me that wanted to go win got overtaken by the academic that I truly am, even though I pretend not to be. And being a coach and motivating people and you, you really do help young women, you guide them, you mentor them for the young women. And I always say this, the women of all ages, cause we all need the help. So what are some of the tips that you can give about getting to where they want to go in life? Just like how you're getting to where yeah. you're, and you're, you're still reinventing yourself. You now. know, you know what it is? Um, you know, I've, I've thought a lot about this because I used to think it was all about the name. I used to think that it was all about where you went and who you hung out with and less about who you were as a person. But what I've come to find, especially because I do college advising, like on the side, I do like, you know, I actually do this for a living. I tell kids how, what to do and I tell parents what to do. It's, it's about, the, the human that's making that decision. It's not about the parent, you know, it's not about the status. It's about what's right for you. And as, as a young kid, male or female, you have to be able to articulate and advocate for yourself in a way that's respectful. And that is, um, not only respectful, but it's at, you advocate, you have to tell people what's important to you. And I think what kids get caught up in is the pleaser mode. And so do women. Yes. We get caught up in the pleaser mode and we put our own feelings on hold. And I think it's important that, you know, you know why? Because we've been told that we're selfish. We're not selfish. We're just advocating for ourselves. There's a difference. This is what I like. I'm sorry, mom. You know, it's not something I really don't want to go to Harvard, even though you went there, you know, I, I want to go to Columbia or, you know what? I want to go to NYU. And here's why, because it, as a parent, if you take a step back and you let that kid decide for themselves, they're going to get a whole, a whole lot more success than you shoving it down their throat. And I know this because I have six children and I thought, when I, honest, honest to God, Denise, I thought all oh, my kids are going to Ivy League. They're all going to be at the top of the class. It didn't happen that way. And they're incredibly successful, you know, incredibly successful. You know, my partner's daughter, Olivia, she went to Brown. You know, she's got, uh, you know, she has a degree from RISD and Brown together. She she's works in, and does has her living in New York. My son, Kevin, went to Emanuel College. He works for uh, a staffing company in Boston, very successful with, his do- with uh, my daughter-in-law, future daughter-in-law. My son, Brian, went to Brown. You know, he's incredibly successful. Griffin, he's at Wentworth. He's an engineer. My daughter, Megan's at Boston University, you know, and Sean is 17 and going to go do his own thing. And I'm, I know he's, I don't even worry about him because success and positivity breeds success. And that's how our family really has. And we've gone through a lot of ups and downs. Like, you know, I was previously married to a man. I, I, I fell in love with a woman when I was in my forties. We were Aranda, my partner, you know, we were the PTO together. Like we have a crazy story, but at the end of the day, it was, it's about being your authentic self and not being afraid to attack the problems and to deal with the adversity in life. If it's, if it's your path that you're truly on. And, and, you know, even if you make that decision and if it's the wrong decision, you made a decision just like the rap Alice in Wonderland and the rabbit. Right. So I know that was a long answer to a short no. question, but it's, it's, it's what I think. And you know, when you get to be 55, you're like, it's so clear. 
so clear. So anyone that wants to call, you know, call us. Mm-hmm. We're like, uh, what's that? What's that show? Doctor, Doctor Phil or Doctor Laura? Right. We could be, we could be a combo. Yeah, yeah. Call, we'll just call give you advice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll just give you advice. So, a young woman working, unhappy in her job. Yeah. If you were counseling her, oh, what God. would you say? Unhappy in your job. What do you number do? What, one, do you, what steps do you take? I think. I think number one, you. Why are you unhappy? You know what really is bugging you. You know that's number one. Uh, number two, you know uh, you really need to assess the environment you're in and if it's really getting you to where you want to be in that happiness. And if it's not, you need to develop a strategy and a plan to get out. You know, and that might not be. I go into my boss and I ask for a raise and I quit on the spot if he doesn't give it to me or if she doesn't give it to me. It's okay, and that might be the answer. You know, maybe it's like, and I watched, you know, and I, it's interesting because I watched Olivia go through it a little bit in New York, right, to kind of navigate the path because she's 27. She's the oldest girl that we have because I still have Megan, that's in BU, and it's different. The boys are different. Boys just do it. Right. They just figure it out. Like, they're so lucky. Like I said about my son, Sean, and I digress a little bit. He's 17. He still doesn't even know where he wants to go to college. He doesn't even care. He's 17. I'm like, he'll be fine. He'll probably end up being the president. He's I a boy. Agree. But my daughters, they're different. They're thoughtful. You know, they, they're always worrying. They worry, right? So with Olivia, I watched her navigate this by, all right, I had this job. I didn't like it. You know, I went to another job and she just, now she's at, she's a social media director for a company in New York. She loves it, but it took like four or five iterations and at one, no, three or four, but at one point she did some babysitting and it's okay to not, you know, be, have this big title. It's okay to go here, make some money here while you're thinking about it, and then go back. And that's what I think we as women struggle with. It's that whole, um, you know, we, we want to put on airs. We want to look like we're successful, even if we're not, you know. And I don't know. I just, I, that, that'd be my, my advice is, you know, don't worry about what it looks like. Worry about how happy you are and how you're going to get to that path. I agree. I think it, when you were talking earlier about the journey, it is the journey, right? Yeah. It's And so if you take the side road, it's like, it's okay. Yeah. What what possibly bad is going to happen? As long as you're not doing anything, as I always say to my daughter, you know, don't make any mistakes that will impact your life forever. I mean, exactly. try not to make those. Don't make mistakes that will hurt people. Right. Try not to, you know, hurt somebody for a long time either. Don't, don't do be anything. going to jail. No. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I know someone who used to say that her criteria for successful, for being a successful mom she said, I'm really successful. None of my kids are in jail. Exactly. And I used to think, that's Low really bar. like, yeah, but as a parent, you're kind of like, I get it. And they're alive. It. Yes, and, and they're, they're alive. alive. Right. Yeah. But it's just going on that journey and saying it's okay to not succeed in everything. And I think that's one of the things young women aren't doing. When they're not succeeding, they're taking it personally and yes. saying, I was a failure. Yes. Versus saying... I didn't succeed at that as a measurement that people say is successful. Yeah. And but what did I get out of it that has been successful? Yes. And how do I use that for the next thing? Yeah. And, and, I, and, then, and then, you know, say you leave that job. When you're in the interview, say why. Don't think of it as a negative. Right. Think of it as an empowerment positive. Like, oh, you know what? I worked in this environment. It was really negative, And I decided to get out because it wasn't good for me. So I did that. And now I'm here. And, and own it. Right. I don't think as women we own it. And I, you know what, I, I'm, I'm going to get a, even off the gender bender thing. I think boys, you know, have those same feelings inside because I have four sons and I just don't think we pay attention to them as much. You know, I, I think that they're sensitive inside too. And they've got all sorts of pressures that we don't really ever um, think that boys have. And I think, you know, we've got to, we've got to look at that as well as we move forward, because, you know, it's not like we've got this, like, uh, people are, well, hopefully people aren't going to war, but you know, like, it's not like, you know, we have these, uh, really like tough, aggressive kind of jobs anymore that were male and female. It's very balanced now. And there's a lot going on in the world that, that is, is gender neutral that I think we need to start paying attention to boys too. People have said to me all the time, why don't you do mentoring moments for boys? And I've said, boys are reading it. Boys tweet, mm-hmm. you know, men, boys, they're tweeting, they write me emails. Yeah. But I was like, I've got Girls a big enough job. Yeah, I, I was know. like, I've got, Girls a need job. More. I've got a big job. I know, job. they used to say that to me, like, why don't you, they, they, you know, and that was the coaching job thing. And I, I want to be clear on why I applied for the coaching job at Brown. Um, when I applied for that job, I kind of felt like I took the women's team to as far as I could take it. And I needed a new challenge for myself. And what happened was, you know, I had kids and, and as a woman, it's hard to pick up your family, 
as a female, right? Because you got an ex-husband, you're going to uproot all your kids for jobs that really don't pay as well as men's do. Okay. So I, you know, I could apply for Wisconsin and I could apply for all these jobs, but they're few and far between. So what I said was, I know I can coach boys and men. It's just a game. It's not rocket science. It's not like, you know, I mean, women can be astronauts. They can be doctors, lawyers, but you can't be a hockey coach. Like seriously. And that was kind of the approach I took, but I couldn't move. Do you know what I'm saying? So I said, I'm going to take another challenge. And I'm going to apply for the men's job. And I'll never forget it. My AD looked at me. He was in shock that I applied for it. I was like laughing. I'm like, are you kidding me? Why are you in shock? You know, like, like, how dare you? And I'm like, I'm literally like, I was laughing that you could not be a coach of a men's ice hockey team. And, and he said, well, what would your players think? And I was like, seriously? I said, I would hope they would think good for you. I can do that someday. And those are the kind of things where the aha moments are like, wow, like, are we that out of touch with what women can do? And, you know, I think women could, I, I know, I can tell you right now, my partner knows football. Aranda is a mastermind at numbers. She understands, I couldn't be a football coach because you know what? It's too, it's too strategic and my brain is all about reacting. I can react, I can motivate. I'm in the perfect sport. That's what hockey is. But football is like, you got to plan 17, direct, you know, you got to plan for this and that. It's a strategy. It's all strategy, right? And Aranda wanted to be an air traffic controller, right? I'm like, you could totally coach. She goes, I know I could coach football. But you know what? She didn't play the game. There's no way she could coach football. And that's crap. Do you know what I mean? So these are the kind of gender barriers that as you go through life, you're like, wow you're really not part of the mainstream. And that's why we did start United Women Sports, and we can get to that later. We, but that's and, part of it. And we will. So here's something I really want to do with you because I'm excited You're to like, hear. oh, my God. I, I, I know there's so much. much. There's so, no, there's so much. But I want to do what you're done with, what we're done with oh my in God. life. So I call it the what I'm done with segment on, on the show. Oh, God. So, what am I done with? Well, you know, I, I am kind of done with, uh, and I don't want to take this the wrong way, but like the whole – raising children to a certain point, you know, like I like the fact that my kids are grown up, you know, because there's that whole take them to soccer, be there on Saturday mornings, you know, go to all these games, and everything, which is great. Been there, done that for like 20 years. Right. There's a lot of and kids. That was, there's a lot of kids and it, it was enjoyable, but let's say I'll be welcoming the grand, the grandchild mode where I can pick and choose. Okay. Done with that. I'll have another one done with, um, I'm kind of done with the coaching schedule. That's why I got out of coaching because the, I had not taken a winter vacation in like 27 years or something crazy like that because your, your season in hockey goes from September to March for all those years straight. Okay. So I'm done with the coaching schedule. I still like to coach. I like to get on the ice and coach skills, but I'm done with that. Um, I'm done with, um, I'm done with being, uh, I'm done, I'm done with doing things that I don't enjoy. You know, I just don't have time for that. You know, I, people waste your time all the time. I'm done with time wasters. Right. You know, and time wasters are like people that, you know, don't add a lot of value to your life. They just want to suck you. Right. In whatever, you know, so yeah, that's just a few and, and I can that, go on and on. And that leads me to one of the things I'm done with. There we with. go. I'm done what are you with, done with? I'm, I'm done with crazy people relationships. So. Oh God, yeah. Yeah. So my, so my same friend who told me about the problems in the table said once, and this is so true, except she really is, well, she's kind of an ex-friend. That's not like, that's a whole nother mentoring that moment in itself. Right. Because she is one of those people who drains you, right? She's yeah. crazy. But she was the one who taught me this and said, the craziest person in the relationship rules the relationship. Ah, I like it. It's and think, and when you think about it now, I told that to someone once and she said to me, I have an even better one. I just avoid crazy. Hmm. So if well, some be careful with crazy, cause people kind of say that I'm crazy. Oh, you're energetic, <laughs> but you're not crazy. Oh, yeah, I'm right. energetic. Yeah, you're energetic. You're not okay. crazy. But, and it's true when you think about if you're in a relationship with someone, right? The craziest person rules it because what you're are you right. saying? You're like, Oh All my right. God, I don't. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, whether it's a boss, a personal relationship, whatever it is. So right. I'm really trying to get crazy out of my life yeah. and not, not try to make excuses for it. Not try to Just deal with like, it. Just kind of like keep it over there. Right. Yeah. Right. I, I like that. That's good. Yeah. I'm so, with you. So I want to talk about other things, but I want to make sure that we talk about what you're doing now, because yeah, yeah. I think it's really important for everyone to hear, you know, not, we just said about how you pivoted, so yeah, to yeah. speak from being the coach to your new career, but to see 
the energy and how excited you are when you're doing Every something day. that you're passionate Every about. Every day I wake up, I wake up at, this morning I woke up at four. Like I just, I can't sleep anymore because I feel like I'll sleep when I'm dead. And the fact that I'm 55 and done as much as I have for women's athletics and continue to have the drive is, I don't know how it happens. Uh, maybe it's my new diet I'm on. I'm, I was telling um, that uh, I'm vegan-ish. I do two for three vegan, but that's another story. Um, let me let me back up and tell you how I got into this. Um, so after I had coached the Boston Blades, um, the Boston Blades is a professional hockey team in Boston that played in the Canadian Women's Hockey League. So they had four teams in Canada and one team in Boston back in 2011, 12 or 12, 13 when I started coaching. And I was lucky enough to have a team that had almost a whole Olympic team on it the first year because they centralized in Boston and they were going to be in the 2000, must have been what, 12, 14 Olympics, 14 Olympics. So it was 13, 14. And, um, I had gone from coaching at Brown with all the resources that Title IX afforded us, okay? Because back in 72 when Title IX started, it, it didn't really gain any legs until the 90s, all right? And that was part of my whole career at Brown. Like we fought for equity, fought for ice time, fought for the locker room. Finally got it exactly where we kind of want. Salaries are starting to come through. And then it's like, ah, time to go. So I go to the Boston Blades. There's no fans in the stands. There's no salaries. There's, you know, I went from making a huge amount of money to like hardly any money. So I always say I went from the Taj Mahal in the NCAA to back to candy bars and raffle tickets again. Oh, time to grow it again. Right. It's whatever. It's, it's, you know, at the beginning, it's like, people are like, didn't that make you so mad? I'm like, no, you know what? I just was like, it's obviously what I'm supposed to do. So Three years go by and we grow it from, you know, no people in the stands to maybe like five or 600 people, but you're still not, you don't have a revenue stream. There's no way to get people to think about women's sports in a different way. So you're an entrepreneur in many ways, right? Totally entrepreneur. I didn't even know. I didn't even know this. You are an entrepreneur. So now I'm like, all right, got to be done with this. I go, I'm saying in my head, I'm in my head. I got to win. We got to, we got to win the cup because I want to retire. I want to be one of the only people that retires on a win because a lot of people in coaching circles never retire on a win because winning means you won the championship in your last game. Right. So that's one of the reasons why I retired that year. Done. Did that. I think you Bucket always list. need to go out on the top. Yeah. yeah. Always yeah. go out on the top. But there's so, it's so hard to do right. in sports. I agree. No, I agree. So I, I agree like, so that you're able to do it. It's great. I, I tell like, that to everyone oh all the time. Get out when you're at the top of your so, game. So now I'm like, we got to figure out a way to pay these players. This is insane. How do you pay them? And it's got to be sustainable. It can't just be, oh, you got this angel investor, gives you two million because you're going to blow through it. Because think about sports league that even has four women's sports, four teams. If you got 20 players on your team and you do the math, say you pay them 30,000, which is nothing times 20 players at 600 in payroll just for one team. You have four, it's 2.4 million. Like right. seriously, that's a lot of money. I mean, not for me, because I'm going to go raise a hundred million, by the way, hundred million. Right. And I believe you, I believe so, you, I'm joining you. Right. I'm going to be good. a part of it. I want everyone yeah. to be part of this because this is not only about sports. It's about female empowerment, right. and global yes. leadership. So we said, how do we do this? So we said, when we start this whole thing, how do we have a sustainable model where we definitely can get some of the revenue from ticket sales, merchandise and all that? but we need another kind of revenue stream. So we partnered with a nonprofit called Play It Forward Sport. So we said, while the kids are not playing sports, they're gonna go out and they're gonna go do good in the community. They're gonna go build relationships and we will be brand ambassadors out there. And that was the initial thought. So I just start peddling. I tell everyone I do and I do the business plan. This was just for hockey, right? So I'm doing this and then we met Craig Hatkoff and they gave us a disruptive innovator award. It was crazy. It was like, we were like, kind of like a little bit of rock stars, you know, in, in this very small, you know, sports world. So thank God, you know, he did that, that because we ended up getting a lot of traction just on that one thing. So thanks Craig, if you're listening, we love I know Craig. that you guys, yes. that. He's I love the best. Craig. So, um, he's the, the founder of the Tribeca film festival for those who don't know. So anyways, I know it's a long way around it, but after we had gone through all these kind of things at the Tribeca Film Festival, I went to a hockey coaches convention and I run into none other than Ed Saunders at STX. And Ed Saunders was an STX rep, which is a lacrosse company at the hockey coaches convention, right? He's like, did you, so, you know me? And I'm like talking about it. He's like, did you ever think of doing that in lacrosse? I'm like, 
I could do this in lacrosse. So that's how we started the conversation about not only one sport, but doing more than one sport. So my company called United Women, well, our company, Aranda and my companies, it's a women-owned business. It's Think about United Women Sports like an athletic department. So you have Aranda and I at the top, like the athletic director. You have your people in the middle that are making all the decisions for the sports. And then we have lacrosse, who is our oldest child, which we launched last year that was very successful. We ended in the black. We have field hockey and rugby that we hopefully will be launching if people out there want to invest in our company. And hopefully at some distant point in the future, we will have other sports under our banner maybe potentially ice hockey if, you know, anyone wants to partner with us. So, you know, I think the beauty of our sustainable model is sponsors now can galvanize more than one women's sport underneath their banner. And we can be brand ambassadors in the community. We galvanize Twitter followers, social media followers. You know, we, we brand the energy of it all. And there's a, a huge other component now as a revenue stream in an OTT platform, and we're talking to several people out in the OTT community. Can you explain what OTT is? So OTT is over the top. It's like Netflix. It's like subscription-based model for content. And, um, you know, we, we don't only want to sell, you know, the, the sports channel, the, the actual games. We want to we wanna share stories about women, women athletes. We want to share stories about, you know, not only, you know, who they are, but what they do accomplish, because there is a host of woman power around athletics. And when you think about athletics, think about it like a platform of leadership uh, that you can implement globally, because sports teaches strength, it teaches empowerment, it teaches advocacy for yourself. And these are the kind of things that it's not that boys don't have them, but boys have it naturally. It's not that girls don't have them, but boys have that naturally and girls need to be given permission to have those kind of things. So that's kind of what our company is about. It's called United Women Sports. Um, we have several really cool people uh, that are associated with it. And um, yeah, I, I mean, we're going to do it. And I, I know you are going to do it. And I think what you're doing is so fabulous because I think it's perfect story, Digitive. You're doing one thing and you're successful. You're doing something else and you're successful. And you've had failures and mistakes oh, yeah. along the way. We all have, right? But you're you're finding your success. And then you're starting something new and you're 55 and it's never, it's so that never giving up. It's that constantly when you see what needs to be done in the world, going out and doing it. And that's what I tell women all the time. When you see it, just do it. Just, just keep doing it. And that's the only way we're going to get, get there. Women that's, are the best at it. We Honestly, are. that's we the are. thing that we, we always forget about with women, how good we are right. at working on teams and, and being part of a community. And, you know, it's, it's that is our strength. Insane. That is what we that is our biggest strength is when we unite, we can make things great things happen. Yes. And I want to continue to talk about that. And I also want to get into I want to hear what one of your morning habits are or one of your daily habits. Oh, my I'm, God. It's, it's like All I have right. this coach in All front right. of me, but I'm going to wait a second for that because we're going to have bring in our millennial voice. Yay. Yay. <laughs> she comes. So Tala Hadavi, who Tala. is a video journalist and a documentary filmmaker. She's a mom. She's getting her second master's at Columbia University. She speaks five languages. She was a professional basketball player. She was the captain of her basketball team at American University. And I know all of this off the top of my head because she was also my daughter's tutor when my daughter was it. in eighth grade. As Digit was like when I told Digit that. She was like, no way. No way. <laughs> It's like, it's crazy how the world goes around. But first, we're going to come back to all this. And first, we're going to do a shout out to True Car for supporting Mentoring Moments. So one of the things I'm done with is making a purchase online. And then two days later, getting an email that says, oops, sorry, your item is no longer available. I really do wonder, how does that happen? But that leads me to something I just learned about True Car that I just think is so great. With TrueCar, you get real pricing on actual inventory. So what you see on TrueCar.com or on the TrueCar app is what you get. And what that means is the car you see online is actually available for the price you see online. And that's because the pricing isn't offered by TrueCar, but it's offered from an actual dealer. And not just any dealer, but a TrueCar certified dealer. And here's what that means. It's a curated network of dealers who are committed to transparency and offering you a competitive market price. So I'm into bullet points these days. So here are five more things you need to know about TrueCar. 
There are over 13,000 TrueCar certified dealers nationwide to work with, so you have human beings to answer your questions. There are over 3 million cars have been sold to TrueCar users by the TrueCar certified dealer network. You can easily find the car you want because there are so many cars to choose from. And with the pricing curve, you can see what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for, so you know you're getting a good deal. And TrueCar users save an average of over $3,000 off the MSRP. So when you're ready to buy, visit TrueCar to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features not available in all states. It's Thanksgiving week in America, and to show you how thankful we are that you listen to this show every week, Podcast One wants to give you two free months of exclusive access to Podcast One premium content, where you get thousands of shows from the likes of Adam Carolla, Shaq, Steve Austin, Brandy Glanville, Dan Patrick, and so many more. To get your two free months of premium, go to PodcastOne.com now, enter your email address, and we'll take care of the rest. Springtime tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine and More. Every bunny loves honey glazed carrots, a great side dish for your springtime celebration, and a delicious compliment to a sweet, bright Moscato. Your Bloody Mary bar will be the talk of brunch with the vodka I'm stalking. Pile those toppings sky high. Serving lamb this season? Try it with a bold Cabernet from the trendy Paso Robles region. Whether you're hosting or just bringing the wine, Total Wine and More has you covered with 8,000 wines, 3,000 spirits, and 2,500 beers at always low prices. Cheers! Mentoring Moments. Takeaway. Tala, I'm so excited that you're here at the table with us now because I can't wait to hear what you've heard. You've been sitting here listening to us, and I want to hear through your eyes, through your millennial eyes, what you've heard, the questions you have. So go for it. Honestly, like my heart is beating a little bit fast, and I'm a little bit shaky because... Quite frankly, I've been a little bit down the last couple of days, but um, I'm super inspired by by you both. So thank you for the energy. I really needed it right now. Um, there's so many takeaways. Like I really like how you were talking about use a problem as a circumstance with more information, and I use that towards like um, moving forward. Mm-hmm. I really that feels really inspiring, and I feel like that's very timely right now for us women to really think about. As this is not a problem, whatever it is, we have to use that as information and move forward. There's so much more I want to talk about. But uh, one thing that I wanted to kind of kick off my part of the conversation was like you both women have constantly in your careers reinvented yourself. I mean, you were in corporate. You're very successful there. You decided to leave, start a startup. uh, And now you're doing podcasts and you're bored of a bunch of different women run uh, companies. And you were a player, you were a coach, and now you're starting a business. I really want to know. And, you know, I think it really applies to millennials because we constantly will reinvent ourselves because that's just how we are. We are very bored and continuously want to start a new career and do the next thing. Mm -hmm. So how did you guys do it what gave you the courage and how how do you do it how do you literally go and say you know what I'm tired of this I'm gonna do the next thing so I I think for me it was it was always just it's not it's not as planned out you know I mean for me again I told you earlier I follow the energy you know everything in my life I've just been like okay there, there it is. I just saw the door and I went through it. And I think that sometimes we need to be open to the signs of the door. So in other words, if you're in a job and all of a sudden you meet someone, you meet this really interesting, engaging person, get their business card, call them up, have coffee with them. You never know where that networking happens. I mean, I talk to Anyone I can talk to, whether it's it's a, a person in a hockey rink, in a coffee shop. You know, I, I met a woman on the subway uh, two weeks ago coming in, and she works for uh, Price Waterhouse. And I talked to her at a conversation. I want to put her on my board. You know what I mean? Like, just randomly, just take, take initiative. Be actively engaged every moment of your life. And there's – we're in the land of opportunity, ladies and gentlemen. Just take advantage of that. Don't live in your own little bubble. And I think you millennials are like that. And I want to say one more thing about millennials. This is what I think. I think that it was really easy for Denise and I growing up because there was a a very, not stable, a very clear path of what you did. Okay. You graduated from high school. Mm -hmm. You went to college. There's a path. You got a job. You got married. You had children, right? Now, you didn't have the internet back then. You didn't even, you had a phone. That was it. And you, you had time. You went to work. You came home. You had dinner. You didn't have 
everything intersecting. And so many distractions. It's so many distractions. And you guys, I always say I feel bad for them. Well, there's because a, you have so many people to compare many, yourself to. And there's to. too many decisions yes. that you have to make every every millisecond. Yeah. So I think if you just kind of take a page out of our book and just focus on some things that make you happy, I think that's the way you do it. And when you see those opportunities that interest you, try them. Anyways, that's just... That's my advice. What about yes. you, Denise? And I think being, you know, I left corporate America and people were said, you are so brave because I had a daughter who was really young. She was like six at the time. And I left this really great job at USA Today to go with the startup. And the founder was 24 years old. She graduated like top in her class at MIT. She had daddy's money. The first million was hers. Like, Let's go. I know. And I was like, this is so cool because I wanted that energy. I wanted to be that person that with that 24-year-old. Well, the company went under in no time. And, <laughs> because you guys spent yeah, a million. Can, yeah, yeah, you got it. But there, like, there was exactly another better. mentoring moment in that one. It was like we went through money like it was no yeah. tomorrow. And I was like the oldest person saying stop, but that's another mentoring moment. It was like, you know, stop and think about this. We don't need an office for no people that we have. We don't have people. <laughs> Why do we need an office? Um, but it went under and I had to reinvent myself. Yeah. And so I became an entrepreneur. As I say, I'm an accidental entrepreneur. Yes. I didn't, I wasn't so brave leaving USA today. I had a contract yeah. with this startup. I never thought it would fall through, right. but then I had to reinvent myself and I made so many I want to say they're mistakes. And then on the other hand, they were the biggest opportunities of my life. Right. So in the moment, they were mistakes. And you grow. That's the exactly. cool thing. When you step outside your comfort zone, you just get a whole, even just doing this whole, like, uh, trying to fundraise money for a company. Like, I didn't even, I had no idea how to do that. I didn't even know what a pitch was. Right. And then I, how we did you just, learn? I just, someone just invited me, like Fred invited me to a pitch last, uh, uh, I had, did it like a month ago. And I learned, and I'm like, you know what I did learn though? I learned that the people on the other side of the table in a pitch in a pitch situation are they're white guys. They're right. all white men. So when you're a woman on the other side of the table, you really have to think from their perspective if you want to get money, unless you're going to now look for some diverse money, which I'm, I'm also doing. But it's just so cool. And you have to look at it like, wow, I'm learning more and more and more. And if you look at it like, a, oh my God, I'm afraid. I'm a scaredy cat. You're not going to go anywhere. But I think, too, it's creating your story. Because yeah. I was at, when I was at Cannes last year for the Creativity Festival, I was talking to some VCs, some really high-powered VCs. And one of the guys said something to me. He said, when people pitch me, he said, sure, I want the pitch deck. I want to see that you thought it through. I mm-hmm. want to see there's a business model. But what I want is your story. I'm buying in to you. And that's why when Digit said today she's going to raise $100 million, I didn't sit there and think, yeah, right. I sat there and... <laughs> I really thought oh, yeah. we're you doing will, it because you've got a great story and people want to be with your energy. So that's the other thing that I think we have to get into is I think as women, we try to be like men in our heads, whether yeah. we are like men Don't. or not. Right. And I look back to my USA Today days. We used to dress like men, kind of right yep. Yep. to try to look like a man. And now I think we try to think like we we sit there and we think we're thinking like men, but we don't even know how men are thinking, yeah. right? So we're not, just so, be yourself, exactly. So we're like really screwed up in in who we are. Well, it's not that we're screwed up; it's that, and this is so true to coaching. It's it's the only model we know. Yes, I, I and that's agree. why right. we're changing the women's sports model because it's for women by women. Right. We don't have that model yet. That's what's so exciting for me to start United Women's Sports. Women have never done sports the way that women can do it. Right. Every sport that has been invented has been created by a man. It's never been organized or run by women. And we have to get comfortable as a society, just like we get in co- comfortable with women-run businesses in business. Sports can be a business and we can run it differently. And like we changed all the rules in lacrosse. When I, when we came on the scene, changed them all. That's the first sport we, we launched. Went up to my commissioner. I said, guess what? Don't like the rules. They're like, what? I'm like, I don't even like lacrosse, but we can do it better. Let's do it better. Then you go down the chain with the referees and I go, you know what? Don't be calling any, no penalties. They're like, what? I go, this is our league. No penalties. They're like, all right. The players took care of the game. I said, these aren't men. Men will go punch you in the face. They'll injure you. Women are not going to do it. There's the thing called shooting space in lacrosse, okay? And if you shoot, because we don't wear cages or anything like the guys do. Guys, they can just shoot at will and bang each other in the eyes and knock them out. Women don't have that. So you could really get injured. I said, a woman is not going to shoot in the shooting space. They won't do it. 
And so wait, why don't women have the same protection as men do? Uh, it's just a different game. They, okay. they play with a different pocket. Um, you can't slash people. Like there's just different rules. I mean, in our game, it's a lot more aggressive. We let that go a little more. Um, but there's just, it's just a, it's just a whole different set of rules, which is fine, you know, and we like it actually. Um, and it actually plays for TV really well because you don't wear helmets and masks and our players just look badass and they're in incredible shape and they're so powerful and they're great heroes and leaders for the future. But I don't want to talk about lacrosse. <laughs> but my point was, is that we change the rules and, and women don't think like that. They're like, oh, we got to follow that path. Just like you said, we've got to dress like men. You don't have to right. change the model. It's really about being your authentic self. And I think the hard problem millennials have is you haven't found your authentic self yet. Right. When will uh, you though? Well, I think you, I think every, I look back and I mm -hmm. think, at each point in my life, I found it. And now I look back and think, but it, I, I wasn't really there yet. But at that point, I was there. Does that make right. sense? Yeah, it's like, at that point, I was my authentic self. I think you're no, there every day. It's, it's, every day, it's every year, yeah. See, it's I think you're your authentic self every day. You know, you are who you are, and you are making your story every minute. Own the story. You know, you said to me, oh, I just loved, I loved being in my zone. I loved being in sports. Go be in sports. If you really loved it. But you know, for me, you could with do sports, it. I really loved it. I was obsessed with it in that moment. Yeah. But now I'm over it. Yeah. And now I want to reinvent myself and be someone else. I yeah. want to bring that same passion and love and obsession. And I say that with a heart. Like, I really mean that with love because I was obsessed with it. Mm -hmm. And I did not mind training six, seven hours a day. Love it. But when it was over, I tore two ACLs, sure. Yeah, yeah. But when it was over, I was good. I was okay. But it took me a really long time to reinvent myself, yeah. to become that of 2.0, you know? Yep. And that's why I wanted to ask you ladies is like, how do you, how do you go from being this Tala to being that Tala and that becoming you? Well, I think it's a lot of trial and error. I mean, it's really like all things. I think about how when you got into sports, right? Did you really know going into it that I'm going yeah. to be so passionate about that? It's just trying it. And yeah. if you're not passionate about it, find something else. And But doing those things will lead you to the networks that Digit was talking about, mm -hmm. right? I mean, we met at an event a I month know. ago. I know. And we immediately connected and said, I said, I'm and, doing this podcast. And you keep it going. Yes. And so, you, and you, and so I think it's just that constant just reinventing and learning new things. If I look at like even Girlquake from where it started, it started out as a website for tween girls. Yeah. And then that didn't work financially. It did work for a lot of things, but financially it was, it was really a failure, a financial yeah. failure. But that led me to what I was doing. Right. That gave me that grassroots, that really, that deep down understanding of what young women were going through. Right, right, right. And then I saw the energy that comes when women of multiple generations connect. Right. And it was like, well, how do we make more of that happen? And then I saw this gap of mentor and mentoring for women and how mm -hmm. so is that when you find it am i there yet no it's connecting the yeah, dots if i found that and it's kind of what, what i take away from what you're just saying is like grab each moment yes. and take full advantage right. of it and make the most out of and it and just so that, keep, that can spur to the next right keep going on the journey and, and like journey. she said people are going to be attracted to your energy and once that happens, it's it's crazy. Like I, it, it's so funny because um, with the lacrosse leagues, like we have people call us every day about what we're doing. I don't even know how to keep track of all the stuff. And because we're a startup, you know, you're trying to figure out where do you put your energy? Because um, you know, when you have a vision and a concept that works, people want to be part of it. But you're like, hmm, how do I? How do I put the puzzle pieces together? So, I mean, I just think, I think you're fine. You have a brand new baby, like enjoy the baby, you know, it, it'll all work out. I mean, we had kids, I had, I had four kids and I didn't even know what the heck I was doing. I had, I had three kids in four years or something crazy like that. Wow. Like it was out of control. Right. It was out of control. It was out of control. <laughs> Over my head with one. Yeah. Um, but the okay. next time for one more. Go ahead. So the next version of this question or the follow up of that is sort of like, okay, so I don't have a clear path, right? I'm not doing the typical sort of career yeah, path, yeah, yeah. right? I'm a freelancer. I do a lot of things. I have a lot of passion for a lot of different things. How do you stay focused? There's so many things that come your way, Denise, every day. New opportunities, new jobs, new like little, not jobs, but like like opportunities to do things. How do you stay focused? I'll take that first because I, I want to end with your, I want to okay. end with you. Um, I, say, I, I, I don't stay focused. I'm really bad at it. Okay? <laughs> I was going to say the same thing. 
right. So, okay, the honest truth, I really suck at being focused, okay? So I have to focus on being focused. And I have to, so I don't do to-do lists any longer. I actually put things in my calendar because I would have a to-do list of like 100 things that couldn't possibly be done in one day. Mm -hmm. But I thought, I conquered this, I have a to-do list. Now I put them in my calendar to realize I can't do them. So I think I'm not focused. It's hard, it's hard. You know, Lewis, who you know, my husband would always say to me in the beginning days when I became an entrepreneur, all arrows point to Toyland. So whatever you're doing, if the arrows aren't pointing to where you want to get to, don't do that today. That's amazing. Yeah. That's great. That's good yeah. advice. So I don't know I if I have with eloquent yours. advice, and I'm 1,000% with you. I am not focused. <laughs> I love having all the balls in the air, as many as I can juggle. Um, I have a little bit of a pattern because I have to have a pattern. I get up in the morning. I meditate for 15 minutes. I have my coffee. I have my, you know, I have my list, and I do have a to-do list. I have a, a Google task list that I that I just keep it's ongoing. It's like this long. And I just work my list and I work on my United Women Sports and I work on my sports village that I'm doing and I try to have free time, but I would work 24 seven. That's how excited I am. Like people say, you sent me an email at three 30 in the morning. I'm like, yeah, I got up right. and it was there and I, I do sleep. But you know, I, I think when you're excited about life, you know, just keep going where you're excited. It's so easy. Like I think, and I think when you get, I mean, I, I don't, I can't, I don't know how old you are. I don't care, but I'm 62. Fit, I tell oh, everybody, yeah. I'm well, 62. you look great. Thank you. 62, 55. Oh my God, it gets so much easier. It's unbelievable. If I knew, and I thought 40 was great. I love 50. You just become more comfortable with yourself. Oh, everything. So, you know, don't, things, don't things fret. Become less don't fret, Junior. Thank you. Right. Don't fret. <laughs> You're the JV. Right. You're the JV. Okay, so I want to add, with, I'm going to end with one quick thing. Oh, Jesus. I, I know. Quick. I, oh, Jesus. Okay. Quick. A habit, something you do every day that you think is something that you have to do to be successful or some, just a tip when for I, someone. I, like I said, I, uh, I get up, I meditate for 15 minutes. I have to drink coffee. I'm a huge coffee fan. I love it. Don't think it's bad for you. I drink a gallon of water a day. I walk four miles. And if I do those things... I feel better. And I eat vegan-ish, two for three vegan. I'm a two for three vegan. I eat very clean, no carbs, no sugar, and no alcohol. So that's what I do. And I really think it keeps you light and it keeps you nimble and your brain power is there every day. That's amazing. I know. So I'm happy with being me, but I also want to be like Digit. So I'm going to start that. <laughs> so I'm taking that tip. And ladies, we have to say goodbye uh, for now for the amazing. podcast. Another, another time. Podcast, another another one. One. But let us tell us, where can we find you? Where can we uh, find you? You can find us at uh, unitedwomensports.com, uh, at Digit Murphy, uh, at Digit Murphy on Twitter, at Digit Murphy on Facebook. I am the human brand, according to my <laughs> friend Scott Brandovin. He says, you're the human brand. I'm like, just look up Digit Murphy, 401 339-1219-401-339-1219. Text me, call me. I love, love, love meeting people. And if you got a hundred million, call Digit Murphy. Tala, where can we follow you? Uh, I am also Tala Hadavi on most things on Facebook. On Twitter. And how do you spell it? T A L A H A D A B I. B as in Victor. I. Ooh, that's a good. One. That's a good one. It is. Ladies, thank, thank you. you. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Love holding hands. I am so pumped. As action-oriented as I am, I can always use a little extra dose of that go for it. And now I'm going to rename that. I'm going to call it my extra dose of digit. So thanks for joining me at my kitchen table today. And to make sure you're getting mentoring moments the moment it's live every Wednesday, please subscribe on iTunes. And while you're there, please rate and review. And check out my show notes on Forbes.com. I would love so much to hear your thoughts and even some advice. Like, I want to hear your thoughts about, are you taking on the right problems or are you still stuck on trying to solve the same old, same old problems? Maybe it's time to say, I need some new problems. And how do you find your energy? And then once you find it, what do you do with it? How do you use it to your advantage? And then this is one for me. This is where I need your help. How do you find your focus? I really do want to know, seriously. So here's where you can find me. I'm always on Twitter, at Denise Rastari. And here's a little extra something for the holiday season. When you buy stuff through my Amazon banner on podcastone.com, a percentage of the purchase goes directly to support the podcast at no extra cost to you. So here's how you do it. Go to podcastone.com. 
click on killer deals it's on the top right part of the page click on mentoring moments logo and you're there it's simple and it's a win-win so until next week keep sharing your stories because your stories matter Download new episodes of Mentoring Moments every Wednesday at podcastone.com, forbes.com, the Podcast One app, or you can subscribe at iTunes. Springtime tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine & More. Every bunny loves honey-glazed carrots, a great side dish for your springtime celebration, and a delicious compliment to a sweet, bright Moscato. Your Bloody Mary bar will be the talk of brunch with the vodka I'm stalking. Pile those toppings sky high. Serving lamb this season? Try it with a bold Cabernet from the trendy Paso Robles region. Whether you're hosting or just bringing the wine, Total Wine & More has you covered with 8,000 wines, 3,000 spirits, and 2,500 beers at always low prices. Cheers! I'm Rita Foley with an AP News Minute. London police have arrested Julian Assange on extradition charges to the United States, as well as for violating his bail. Assange is accused of publishing classified documents through WikiLeaks. In 2010, he told Sky News he was worried about what the U.S. might do to him. The United States recently has shown that its institutions seem to be failing. Uh, They are failing to follow the rule of law. And with dealing with a superpower that does not appear to be following following the rule of law is a serious business. He also said in 2010 the U.S. officials had threatened him and those associated with him. There has been many calls by senior political figures uh, in the United States, uh, including elected ones in the Senate, uh, for my execution, uh, the kidnapping of my staff. Edward Snowden, the former security contractor who leaked classified information about U.S. surveillance programs, says the arrest of Assange is a blow to media freedom. I'm Rita Foley.